When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very you might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast of a discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined as I am every week by my co-host, Chris Breffitt. How are you doing today, Chris? I am happy to be back in the saddle. I'm happy to be recording today. Feeling good. We're on the eve of heading down to the Lone Star Open, getting our episode in before we head out. That's right. Very excited to leave and have a weekend away, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. We, we said it last episode and we'll say it again. If you're there, reach out to us, find us, say hello. And also we're going to have some discussions when we get back a lot talk about some hangs that we had on, you know, on the primary fade and after dark. And we're obviously going to deep dive our games and our lists in greater detail. I'm really excited about it, Chris. And, you know, this is always a cool snapshot in time. You can rewind a year ago and, you know, me going to Lone Star Open on a whim. Wasn't sure if it was going to work out childcare-wise, financial-wise, and I made it work. Went by myself. That's captured in time because I came back and we yeah. talked about that, right? Yeah. So I think it's one of the coolest features of being a podcast host and having communities like this. We get to document moments in time for the community, but also of, for ourselves, um, things that we got to do. Our entire MCP journey has been documented for posterity. It's all here. Yeah, it's, it's all here. Yep, all the rights and wrongs are here. So uh, I'm I'm happy that some alien culture billions of years in the future is gleaning information from you and I. I hope you enjoy MCP. But until then, you know, I guess us regular humans will keep keep going. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Chris and I are like some protocol droids somewhere in the future, some C3PO's that are, you know, just using it's perfect. AI from only this podcast alone. You could probably recreate my personality in a lot of ways. <laughs> I've talked so much, Chris, on this show. <laughs> we, they'd get pretty close with both of us, I think. <laughs> they'd get pretty close. So, you know, they enjoy that. I hope so. I hope they're enjoying that in future tense. But yeah, I'm really excited to cover that content because I think as something Charles said very astutely and kindly on his ep- on his podcast recently, Omnis Protocol, he was talking with Amon, my co-host on Hello There, about the Lone Star Open coming up a little bit. And he was saying, you know, it's the premier event of the the South. 
and kind of you know the the South Midwest. And I think Charles is right on the money there. So it's it's super cool that we get to experience the premier MCP event of the South of the United States with all these premier players and uh, learn something and come back and tell you about it. It's going to be a good time. I'm a little nervous, as I've expressed in some private group chats. Uh, A lot of life has gotten in the way of me and playing MCP in real life lately. So I'm pretty nervous going down there that I'm just going to have a terrible showing. But hopefully that doesn't happen. No matter what, 0-6 even, I'm going to have a great time. Perfect. Going to have some great hangs. That's what it's all about. Yeah. It'll be fun either way, but you know, everybody, you know, you want to win a little bit, right? You want to do well, at least personally, in, in my exactly. opinion, every time, uh, not so much win the thing. It's never my goal, but it's just. Oh no, if I don't win the whole thing, <laughs> I'll be inconsolable. I'd like you to win the whole thing, but. Oh man, we'll, we'll- I'd like any of us from Tulsa to win the whole thing. That would be so cool. But I mean, someone on this podcast has a good track record of winning this thing. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no pressure. You did say I have a title to defend. Which that part is true. So I do feel. I was just trying to make sure we all got to go. Yeah, I feel good pressure from that. You know, where it's like, you know, I'm not going to play the most meta thing. I'm just going to play what I know and 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 have fun and do well and hopefully tell you guys about it when we get back and have some cool game store gaming moments and stories from our battle reports when we get back. And you know, we will keep the Discord lively during this time too. So stay tuned for that if you're a patron. Should be fun. But Chris, we're not talking Lone Star Opens today. We are doing a primary episode. We're returning to the Web Wars, which is very exciting. And we are covering something I've been waiting for a long time. And I know you have as well. Yes. I'm very excited for this episode. We're both super excited about the lore and strategy today. And we won't spoil too much of what we have planned for that. But it is the amazing Spider-Man. It is the older, seasoned Peter Parker. So we are doing that wonderful thing we always get to do on this show, Furious Finest, where we do a character we have done years past, return to them, talk about lore from a different angle, talk about the changes of the snapshot of this character. This is a very different character from Peter Parker in the corset, which is early years peter parker this is correct many years later seasoned this is established peter yeah yeah this is peter our age or older right so it's so exciting today to talk about it in my mind i think he's one of the coolest models in the game as well so before we do that chris we have some people to thank and some sponsors to discuss fury's finest is supported by mr laser go to mr-laser.square.site for all of your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Of course, iWarGame makes the best marked mats for MCP in the business, and we highly recommend checking them out at iWarGame.net. I mentioned it last episode. I'll mention again, Volume 2 is out. I just highly recommend their stuff. So Yes. And we're, we will be using some of it at Lone Star Open, absolutely. So thank you to them. Of course, Chris, we can do the show without our patrons. We say it every episode. We mean it. Our patrons support Furious Finest at patreon.com slash Furious Finest. If you enjoy the show and would like to join our private Discord community, and support us check out the patreon at that link and we take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support this week we want to send a very special shout out to kevin thank you so much kevin thank you kevin it means a lot and of course chris we cannot do this show without our producers rusty rich puyan and sean thank you avengers team thanks guys all right chris let's just get right into it let's get into amazing spider-man lore and strategy today oh this is gonna be a good one All right, guys, I'm really excited today for lore. We get to dive into a specific, specific arc of a character, a specific, you know, run of issues and really talk some nitty gritty. And Jesse and I are going to, I mean, honestly, we're going to try to get you to go read it. I don't care if it's through your local library, Hoopla, Marvel Unlimited, 
or go 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 pick it up. But what we're going to talk about today is by one of my favorite writers. It is Spider-Man Life Story by Chip Zdarsky, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by John Dell, colors by Frank D. Armada. So, Jesse, this you picked this as, mm-hmm. as what we should do here, and I think you made a great inspired choice here. What Chip Zdarsky does with these, he, he's done these little anthologies and he's done them for X-Men. He's done them for Spider-Man. I'm sure we will get more. I hope so. It, but what he does is kind of tell the characters, oh gosh, for Spider-Man, it's what? 80 years of lore in kind Approaching. of a, a, yeah. a six issue arc here. It, it's going to be, it's still kind of an anthology. It's going to go through his life. Every issue is going to kind of represent a different decade more or less Uh, so so you'll get little spots from each decade or maybe a a story defining the entire decade for him there yeah and i think the coolest part of this story if it wasn't clear from the way chris is describing it uh, but i think it is but if it isn't just lay it out fully to you as a listener because we are visualizing this through the theater of the mind this is canon's spider-man events over the decades in our universe in the canon of us knowing peter parker as a character and this is as chris said an anthology version of canon events some of them exactly as they were some through a different lens some multi-angle but the coolest part about this series to me chris is that fact that maybe you don't want to read every Spider-Man issue ever. Honestly, probably who has the time if you haven't been doing it all this time, but you want to get his overarching 60 to 70 years, right? Of things he did through the canon. This hits on all the big points. I mean, this is a brilliant thing. So it's, it's pretty amazing to focus on these eras and what was most important through this lens. And I think what you just said there is particularly astute because Chip really does focus on what's important. We get, I feel like, and I haven't done the actual counting. I feel like we almost get a one-to-one ratio of Peter Parker business and Spider-Man business. Ooh, good point. Yeah. Crucial to the character. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's always been Spider-Man's thing is a lot like Superman, but I think it's always been done a lot better than Superman is is balancing his secret identity and that personal life away from Spider-Man and how much he has to sacrifice to be Spider-Man in his personal life. It's always been a tenant of his character, you know? Absolutely. And- grappling with the power he does have, you know, kind of a why me, what does this mean? What all do, what do I owe the universe for this, you know? And in this, in Spider-Man life story, we explore that in some very interesting ways. (laughs) And I think one of the most interesting is very well depicted in the cover art of issue one. And the cover art of issue one here is going to be Spider-Man web slinging onto a Huey helicopter. Of course, the Huey famous for its service in uh, Vietnam, just absolutely emblematic of that conflict and that war and that struggle, Mm -hmm. how the Huey came to symbolize kind of jungle warfare. And in this issue, I I thought that was the most interesting question. And this question kind of comes up a little more through the book as we check in with other characters, namely Iron Man and Captain America. But Peter really, really grapples with whether he should be involved in America's wars as Spider-Man, a a, a super soldier, if you will. Yeah, not jumping too far ahead in the story itself, but I mean, early on in this first issue, that thesis is framed through an interaction of Peter and Flash. 
where Flash is saying he's drafted, he's going to war. And Peter's saying, Flash, why are you going to war? It's this guerrilla warfare is insane, man. Like you could lose your life. We could lose you forever. You know, you're so important to us here. And Flash says, well, it's what Spider-Man would do. Mm. And I, and I adore him. <laughs> and so that it creates all this internal conflict within Peter, which, you know, feeds that element, which we love so much about Peter is that he's always struggling with that. And he's always holding back as Spider-Man, right? He's always being the good Peter Parker, but things collide that he doesn't want to collide from these two lives. A lot collides. I really love the way Chip did this, but I, I kind of want to ask you a little bit because it becomes evident very, very quickly here in issue one. And once again, we're not going to tell you guys every story beat, anything like that. Ultimately, we want you to read this six issue arc, but we are going to be spoiling some things, obviously. So, yeah, you know, bear with us there. Uh, if not, you know, feel free to skip ahead to tactics, which is going to be very, very fun. So the way Chip tackled the telling of the love interests, we get in this issue Gwen Stacy immediately how do you how do you feel this went I mean even over this whole six issues you don't have to necessarily stay with issue one here I don't think but the way we he tackled Gwen Gwen's death into a romance with MJ was just really really well done and I kind of wanted your thoughts on that yeah I do think it's really well done because it obviously it has the past knowledge of how the Gwen MJ stuff played out as the writers are figuring out over the years. And he's kind of distilled it down to its most basic, important elements, right? Also, I think what's really interesting about this putting Gwen right at the front is it shows how important she is to Spider-Man's story, which I think is very crucial and obviously super apparent in the modern canon. I mean, literally yes. into into the Spider-Verse 2 is in theaters right now and Gwen, in a way, it's Gwen's movie. So it's one of these things where it's like, I love that element, but I more even love it because it shows some of the elements that Peter had with MJ early on that were not good, you know, the, the, the butting heads that they've always known, been known to do the jealousy mm. from both of them, right? Mm. Like a lot of things. So I like laying the groundwork of establishing characters and chips also saying in this, here's Gwen, here's flash, here's MJ, here's Aunt May. They're all important. Here's Harry. Here's, you know, of course, Norman Osborn. They're all Norman, massively important. Norman makes his entrance very, very quickly. And it's, it's not just that. It's very interesting the characters he chose to make appearances in okay. this yeah. in this six issues. I think it's very interesting the characters that play a role here, but I think you just distilled it down. All of those names you just mentioned and I'll add just a couple of more of course. that I thought played major roles and show up here. That's J. Jonah Jameson, of course. Of course. And Craven, the hunter. Yeah, and even some some short but powerful sections on, of course, Doc Connors and Doc Ock. Yes, yes. As in, in the respective spots in the story you would expect. But I do think it's interesting that Doc Ock actually takes a little bit of less limelight in the Spider-Man story, which is unusual, um, especially in the earlier eras, which is also unusual because he was so prominent in those eras. But I get it because we're distilling down the essentials of the character. But the way Doc Ock is involved i it's really i mean chip has a little bit of an advantage he gets to yeah weave all of these story beats in and out with each other in a natural way unlike how they happened in real life just because yeah. they un they unfolded over the course of one issue a month over so many years over so many different writers so many different creative directions he gets to tie it all together that being said I think they made the right choice on who to do it. I think he did a great job. It's just, it's very interesting who shows up and who doesn't. That's all. 
we don't get a lot of, for instance, Rhino. I think Electro is just barely in there. Yeah. But like you said, Vulture we, barely like, you know, a lot of tertiary. Yes. Mysterio. But Auk plays a major role and it really kicks into overdrive in the middle of the series later in the series. Just, just like it did, you know, cause that comes from Dan Slott, right? Yeah, of course. Doc Ock and the superior Star- Spider-Man happened in the two thousands. So just, just very well done. And I guess now I've painted us into a corner here, Jesse. <laughs> Let's let's talk about the, this issue one in the '60s, and we'll jump off that point where I was mentioning about the draft and Flash going to war and that element, you know. And Peter and Gwen are in love. He's been yes. Spider-Man for some time now, many years. He's kind of gotten figuring it out. He and you've brought me to something. This might be this might not be where you were intending here, but we do need to mention Captain America and Tony Stark. Yep. Let's talk about this. They play major roles in this comic just by nature of showing up in some way or another in every issue, I do believe. I think they're at least one of them is at least pictured in every issue. And given the nature of this comic, that there's not that many characters showing up, there's not all of these minor storylines weaving in and out. We're hitting major points here. I think the fact that they're even included at all is a major is very telling to how important they are to Peter's story. And I do want to talk about their characterization a little bit. Chip leaned in a little bit to a little more to their extreme sides. Tony is more that libertarian industrialist trying to change the world with his money. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and cap is that, that, that very, what that, that eighties, that eighties cap of, I, I might be Captain America, but that doesn't mean I represent the federal government. I, I represent the ideas behind America, right? Mm-hmm. Oof. And this frame through Vietnam with these two characters is very profound and very well done. You know, Spider-Man asks Cap if he's going to Vietnam. Cap tells him he's going to go, but not out of obligation to the country or like the draft, I say in quotes. But he wants to go to see what's really going on without the filter of the media, what's really happening in that country what's really happening in the war on both sides. And he, he encourages Spider-Man to stay home. Cause I told you, Spider-Man's having these thoughts of me. Maybe flash is right. Spider-Man should be there, you know, and that Spider-Man is not tied to America. He's tied to his neighborhood, New York, you know, and right. more importantly, he's, he's still a kid and he's tied to his own life. And cap tells him that, which I think is very, very cool. We obviously follow up with Tony and cap towards the end of this era. And it's very interesting, very adversarial, very cold war, right? It's, it's very cap makes, they face off against each other on in almost on a field of battle there in Vietnam where cap kind of makes an appearance. He's very grizzled. He's clearly been out in, out in the wilderness for a while. And he places an entire village under his protection uh, against the United States, uh, against uh, U.S. federal forces. Yeah. You know, and that's a, that's Some a very big troops. deal. Yeah. Yeah. Very big deal. hundred percent. Yeah. And um, he says the Viet Cong are under his protection in that area. And that's how this sixties era closes. Uh, one more important bit. Gwen figures out that Peter is Spider-Man, right? And six, seven years of him being Spider-Man and she figures it out. And this will kind of be the catalyst for their relationship. Really bonds them. Right. Her, being the first one to know that he knows, you know, 
first one to know his identity that he's aware of. She finds out in front of him. They've already had feelings for each other. Clearly, it's just it's the moment that everything solidifies, you know. And that's kind of how we we leave the issue and we head into the seventies with my favorite cover of the six. It's good. We've got it. It is an orange cover. We've got Spider Man holding a disco ball, but of course, this of disco course. ball has the smile of a pumpkin bomb. Because wouldn't you know it, this is going to be the issue. We get the Green Goblin. Full blown. Yeah. And just to note, if you're following along at home and kind of trying to follow the canon, you know, Spider-Man, the first issue started in 63 when Spider-Man started. This one kind of picks up mid seventies, right, right out the gate. You know, it's so we kind of, yeah, you say it's roughly every 10, 15 years. It is every 10, 15 years because we are jumping off from that 63 jumping off point. So immediately at the beginning of this issue, it says it's 1977. And, you know, we find out that Flash was killed in combat. Of course, Peter does not take this very well. No. And we're also introduced immediately through this lens of of Flash having departed this mortal coil to Mr. Fantastic. Working with Reed, right? He's working with Reed. And of course, this is set in not the 616. So there are going to be some differences. Reed and Peter have been working together for... Yeah. A little bit. You know, Peter's been kind of interning here, but we're we're getting some butting of heads. Reed is a classic troubled genius, obsessed with the work. I mean, it's classic Reed. It just just dial it up a little bit. Um, and Reed and Peter When you put that against Peter, who's classically brilliant with the work, but he's always wanting to go back to his life and the people and protect and And he's always yeah. wanting to do what he perceives as the right thing. Yeah, and of course. And Reed's like, oh, stay stay and work more. Stay and help me advance right. this project. You know, right. it'd be better for the good of the world, blah, blah, blah. I will mention something while we're here, Chris, because it's something unique we get to do with this series. We did never gotten to do in any element of our lore ever. But we could talk about Spider-Man's age throughout this series. So now that it's 77. He's actually like 30 on the nose. Like he's like 29 ish when this story starts and he turns 30 at the beginning of this. So just frame your frame it through that lens that he's been, you know, Spider-Man for over 15 years. Right. And that he's been, you know, think, think where he'd be at that moment in time, 15 years of being Spider-Man. Now he's yeah. a, a 30 year old adult working for the most, one of the most brilliant men on the planet recognized yeah. as a brilliant man himself. Right. Yeah. But you know, that butting of heads continues. Reed cannot let some of this political stuff go. Uh, you know, Reed is very progressive. Peter at this point, maybe a little bit more of a centrist. Yeah. It comes to a head. They're, they're going to have a fight and they're going to split up. But of course, by this point, we, we kind of failed to mention that Norman made his appearance. The Green Goblin has, has shown himself, done some things and been arrested. You know, it's that thing. He's always got that that hold over his son, Harry, mm-hmm. Norman does. And in this issue, it manifests in a very interesting way with maybe one of the coolest goblin costumes I've ever seen. <laughs> That's true. We're also introduced to MJ here in this issue, and she is she's not that classic good uh, goody girl MJ here. She is actively in the party club. Girl. She is party time, not sober in any way, shape, or form full 70s disco party scene yeah absolutely and of course she's like we see in the canon you know as you would expect she is in the on again off again relationship with harry osborne like they have been for a long time where it's the relationship's got some really high highs and some really low lows 
we see this in the movies too so sometimes or inklings of it right and that's an element of this too and peter runs into mj at the, at the club he of course doesn't want to go to the club because peter's not peter's scene but she gets him to go there and you know they have a fight about flash's death and how peter could have potentially prevented it in mj's mind I think that's a notable character moment between them with all this goblin stuff going on. I think, you know, it's, it's a wedge between them and it's obviously tough because Peter even talks about through this time of the story, like we talked about our flash episode recently, how he truly bonded with flash and how they reconciled their differences, you know? Yeah. And I I think that it happened here. They, we'd seen them have a big dust up in the first issue, but in that first issue, Peter still tries to make it, to see flash off of course he's sidetracked and, and can't but that's, that's classic peter right it's uh putting his his own personal things below the needs of others and that's that's what makes him great but here i think this is wonderfully done by chip because it shows the power that mj has with peter with her words even mm. before they have gotten together it shows that respect that intimate knowledge of each other even though there hasn't been any any, any romantic spark or anything, you know, Gwen is still here. MJ is, MJ is seeing someone else, you know, it's, but eventually of course she's going to be MJ, you know, and he's going to be the tiger and it's, it's going to be great. But leading up to that, it's, it's not, not so great. Yeah, <laughs> it I mean, is not. And I think it's pretty interesting how chip did it. It's very different. I think this is one of the more pronounced differences from the accepted mm, canon. Good call. But uh, he's going to intertwine the clone saga here with the death of Gwen Stacy. After the final kind of dust up with Reed, Peter is going to go work with a a Dr. Warren. We've been introduced to Dr. Warren before this, of course, through He worked with Connors. Worked with Connors. But we're going to be working with clone technology here and unbeknownst to Peter, unbeknownst to Gwen, Norman Osborne has Yep. I mean, this is the jackal, right? This is from classic 616. But but what he's done here, Norman has funded some cloning of, of Peter. Dr. Warren has also cloned Gwen, and we've also got also got a clone of Harry here. Now it's kind of a little it's kind of a little gross, but what's happened here is this clone of Peter is meant to be Norman Osborne's successor. That's kind of the storyline between Norman and Peter through this. The six issue arc is that Norman always disappointed with Harry and has always been since he recognized Peter's brilliance as while well, Peter was a child, right. as Harry's young friend. He's really coveted Peter as as his successor. He feels that the power of Spider-Man and now mixed with the goblin serum would just lead to the perfect son. So the idea here is to create one for himself naturally because Peter has rebuffed all his advances to this point because it's mm-hmm. Peter. Of course he's yeah. going to. And he's figured out that, you know, Norman and Goblin are the same person. Absolutely. But this is going to manifest now as with the aforementioned Black Goblin. This is going to be Harry who has been kind of grim a worm-tongued, kind of mm-hmm. poisoned by his father and by the Green Goblin to to become this goblin to try to fulfill his destiny and become that heir that his father so desperately wants. And the irony being he's going to do his father's bidding, but his bidding is going to be in service of replacing himself, himself. as the heir. Just truly heartbreaking stuff from from a familial perspective, you know, father and son perspective. Just yeah, it's that classic devastating. Super evil villain thing too, you know? It's like Yeah, just pure pure self involvement. Yeah. 
Palpatine and Vader thing, you know? Like, it's just very much like the, like, we're equals till we're not. And in fact, you're actually leading my my goal down the line, you know? That sort of thing. But yeah, it's it's very sad because we know the route this goes because you hinted at it earlier, Chris, with the death of Gwen Stacy. Correct. So this is going to culminate in a massive reveal. And, and as I said, this begins the clone saga. So the lab is going to blow up, of course. The, the Spider-Man clone will be the only one that survives due to that clone being Spider-Man and having those spider powers being durable. The Gwen Stacy clone and the Harry clone will both pass away. Now, it is revealed here that Dr. Warren is an absolute pervert and had cloned Gwen. And then the one in the tube was actually the real Gwen Stacy. He planned to keep her for himself, for his own twisted desires, while the Harry and the Peter clones were for Norman, of course. In that happening, it means that Gwen, who's out of the tube, correct, Peter, learns that she is a learns that she is a clone and has been for some time. I mean, that is the death of the true Gwen Stacy, right? So yep. we we get this scene of, you know, now Ben, Re- you know, it's going to be Ben Riley here. Spider-Man and Gwen, they're going to kind of ride off into the sunset as the clones, kind of try to build a life for themselves. And now Peter is very awkwardly left here as a, as a man that has seen his wife die, but sees an exact spitting image, perfect copy of her right in front of him. Just get married and go off with a clone of him. Just unimaginable, you know, levels of emotional processing here. I wouldn't know where to begin. What an incredible way to put a artistic bow on one of the worst parts of, of the Spider-Man canon. Absolutely. (laughs) The clone saga, that resolve of it too. To be able to tie it into such a historical moment, the death of Gwen Stacy and, and which will lead into, of course, Peter getting with MJ that just kind of gives the whole nothing burger of the clone con- clone saga uh, a little bit of more weight here in this universe, here in this canon. Yeah, absolutely. Let's also not forget Harry died during this too, right? So now you've got Peter, the real Peter, <laughs> because Ben Riley, of course, is the Peter clone. MJ recovering from these traumatic deaths of their loved ones. And, you know, MJ goes to see Ben and Gwen's clone off right to ride in sunset. Peter does not show up. MJ and Peter kind of have more hard conversations again. It's going to lead to a connection though. Yeah. Because after they leave, MJ does try to console him, you know, cause he has been through a lot now. Peter kind of lashes out to her and he says, you know, well, you can start your life over because you of course are getting Harry's life insurance, his fortune. And I have nothing, you know, and this is him speaking purely as Peter. He's not Spider-Man in this moment, you know, and she tells him this isn't true. And consoles him and like you said it's it's a bonding agent and that's the end of that issue and that era absolutely and it's a it's a fun issue this is the issue that really hooked me issue one was fine but by the end of issue issue two i was i was fully sold here and now we're gonna lead into issue eight we're gonna hit the 80s it's black suit time fearful symmetry time Yep, we, Craven is going to make his incredible entrance into the series. And we got to talk about the cover, Chris. I mean, we, you've been doing it every time. Just a quick version, black suit. This cover very much reminds me of an issue in general, not not a specific issue, but the coloration okay. and everything, you know, it being 80s and the way they chose to go with the cover, the black suit, the coffin here, it, it's very reminiscent of a of a. Of like deadly, it makes me think of Deadly Class, the series okay. by Rick Remender, yeah. uh, a sci-fi 
sci-fi channel show that got two seasons i think excellent comic the show was not good it's very very kind of reminiscent very you know very kind of gothy 80s gothy we've got the black suit and we're gonna get the beyonder here yeah and once again some canon changes again at least with the symbiote not yeah on but when you know the venom canon like i do i mean you read this you're like oh it's an interesting interesting right? take right an interesting take so now we have jumped forward i said the last issue was started in 77 progressed a little bit through that and now we've jumped to 84 so you add seven more years so peter is a 37 year old man and he is married to mj and she's pregnant with twins crazy of course we're going to immediately i love how we how he did this we're not going to get secret we're not going to get a ton about secret wars you can go read what happened yeah but you're going to see some of this from MJ's perspective where her husband, she's carrying two she's carrying two babies <laughs> and her husband is just gone for months. And of course, gone. Yeah. He is fighting, you know, for his very life to return to her and everything. Don't don't get it twisted. He's not doing this on purpose, but it is just the nature of superheroing, especially yeah. at this point in time. And seeing this from her perspective is pretty interesting and a pretty good take, I think. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't spend long on that. And, you know, he has some cool interactions with some heroes from the Avengers and stuff that you would recognize, of course, Hulk, Thor, Reed again. But we don't spend much time on that. Peter gets to return home, which is great. And he he comes back to MJ and realizes, you know, he has two infants, you know, in their house, uh, Claire and Benjamin Parker, great names off of, of their respective families. And instead of being happy... Peter breaks down because he realizes he was he missed the birth of his children because he was in the Secret Wars. Not only that, but the absence of superheroes in America led to some pretty traumatic things for the entire country. Realizing that the American superheroes were gone, the Soviet Union launches an attack. Right. It is kind of thwarted in a way by vision. It still takes a toll, though. It, of course, is a nuclear intercontinental ballistic missile. The vision, using his powers, redirects it from its intended target mm-hmm. to kind of hitting in, you know, in rural Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was Manhattan originally. Yeah. So. And it still, of course, causes an insane amount of devastation. And time of recording, of course, the nuclear weapons are all on our mind, given the major theatrical release of Oppenheimer and what a just truly, truly devastating and horrible weapon. And this carnage traumatizes vision and he is just yep. incorporeal in a field for months or may possibly even years. I'm not sure it's ever really told to us. I don't but think what, so. a, what a way to, I what know. a way to illustrate the. And the third vision dis- of the story in an yeah. interesting way. But a way to illustrate the just pure devastating power of a nuclear device. And of course, this will bring Peter and Reed back together to try to clean up this disaster, try to clean, to try to wipe some of this radiation up. And this will lead us to the black suit. That's right. Reed will notice some of the changes in Peter. MJ will notice some of the changes in Peter. Of course, Peter will not go along with this, but eventually kind of does realize what's going on and he he kind of separates from the suit and this is when craven's gonna show up when he's at his weakest and we have an, a very craven's not in this a lot but he's awesome as always yeah fearful symmetry stuff of course is what we got here craven's in his own black suit 
he's posing as Spider-Man. He's committing crimes. He's hunting people. And this is where the age of Spider-Man is going to kind of come into play because Craven has noticed that Spider-Man is just a little bit slower, maybe not as strong. And and he thinks he can do better. It's just like like we've discussed before uh, with Spider-Man in our Spider-Man episode and Craven episode. But he's going to he's going to kill Spider-Man. And the reaction here is is just the coolest thing, I think. <laughs> the the suit, the black suit, the Venom symbiote is locked away. It's under lock and key, separated from Peter. But when Peter dies, the suit, still being psychically bonded, knows and breaks its constraints and beelines to Peter. To the and cemetery. This is this is what tips MJ off as to something has happened. She knows something horrible has happened mm-hmm. when this suit breaks. And I just I thought that was excellent storytelling. I thought that was just wonderfully done. Chip just ties everything together so well, uses every element, keeps every character fresh and involved. He's just an incredible writer. Absolutely. And you mentioned Spider-Man being slower and Craven noticing this, and Craven's kind of disgusted by this because he here he is. He's dying of cancer, like we mentioned in our Craven episode. He's terminal and he, he kind of pities Spider-Man because he's like, I'm stronger than you and I beat you, um, which is unusual because you've always been the ultimate prey stronger than me. Right. And, you know, we know this story we talked about in our Craven episode and they, I think a lot of it is similar slash the same, Chris, like you mentioned him being Peter begging him not to shoot him and he shoots him and Peter's hanging on with the sliver of life, you know, but the symbiote suit element is such a cool element added to it. Literally helps Peter rise from his grave. And then we see venom for the first time mm. when when peter gets out of the grave finds craven to confront him of course the it is pure emotion and the suit is mostly in control and we get that big hulked up monstrosity you know that is the classic venom character not just spider-man wearing the mm-hmm. black suit um, it's drawn wonderfully drawn perfectly and this is when the final fail safe that that peter has put in place in case the suit gained full control. Yeah, a device him and Reed have built. Right. And it's up to MJ to use it. But of course, this device will, a sonic device that yeah, will separate the suit from, from Peter. And MJ has to use it. And this is kind of this kind of climactic scene of Peter having to confront Craven and MJ having to confront Peter is going to be the last thing we kind of see before we're jumped forward in time and Hmm. the marriage has crumbled. MJ has moved to Portland. Peter is just almost inconsolable. You know, he is at his wits end. He does, he cannot find happiness in any way. And of course we're left with the final image of Craven to finish the issue. And we've been over that before. You all know what happens. Chip does add the twist of seeing the symbiote latch itself around the gun when Craven's very true. Attempting and leaves it kind of ambiguous. He'll he'll wrap it up later in a very cool way. But yeah, this will lead us into issue four. 90s. The 90s. Yeah. So if you're keeping along at home, we're now in 1995. So we have gone forward 11 years. So if you're keeping math at home, like I'm trying to do in my head at the moment, Peter is in his late 40s now. He is. And he is romantically involved in this issue with Jessica Jones. So you gather him and MJ. Him and MJ have have been split for a while, I I feel here. And so, Jesse, we've been through half of this now. And we do, like I said earlier in this, we don't want to give every story beat here. So we're going to kind of 
quickly wrap up our impressions of these last three issues and maybe some key selling points on them, why they're they're worth reading. But issue four here, the nineties, very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was what was your favorite kind of divergence from the given canon here? And I, I know it's he's weaving given canon in uh, in an interesting way. So it's all things that that are supposed to happen. There's just slight twists. But what what's kind of your favorite? Hmm, I had to think about that. What's my favorite? I, I would say my favorite element of this was showing how tired Peter is of the superhero mm. life. Excellent. And how that's not really what we saw in the 90s comics. <laughs> so this is like what's really going on behind the mask in his brain, right? Well, we saw what Spider-Man was doing in the 90s. This, of course, is a s- summation of some of that. But this mindset that Peter's in dictates a lot of his decisions in this era of stories. And he's just not feeling it. <laughs> I don't know no. what else to say other than he's just not feeling it as much, uh, which is interesting. And Doc Ock does show up, of course. This is going to be his introduction to being a pivotal point. Yeah. He made his way in the first issues, you know, as Doc Ock in those eras, but he will, he will have, you know, his relationship with aunt may. Yep. He is going to flirt with being a good guy here throughout some pages in this issue. One of the the things that sticks out the most to me with this one, other than just being delighted to see Jessica Jones in these pages, always, always love a Jessica Jones appearance is the thing that kind of broke my heart the most is Peter and Norman have another big kind of confrontation. And there's this moment in this, in this conversation that these two are having this, this confrontation where Peter realizes that Norman doesn't even know that his own son has been dead for a number of years. It's sad. And Peter informs Norman here. And it is once again, just the dynamic between Norman and Harry throughout these six issues is just heartbreaking. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and Chip, Chip nails it. It's supposed to be heartbreaking because, because it is, uh, Norman Norman and the Green Goblin have caused a lot, a lot, a lot of damage to everyone, to the entire city, but I think the most to his own son. It's it's very, it's very rough. But the other major thing that's gonna happen here in this issue, the, the kind of crux of the issue, the whole reason yeah. we got it is that Peter's just gonna retire. Well, and the catalyst that he retires is this Norman thing and the way it right. ends. This this Norman confrontation pushes him over the edge. He's just done battling the burnout. He's done not having anything for himself. And he passes. <laughs> he does a very cool thing. Interesting thing, I should say. He writes every aspect of his life down into a huge dossier, mm-hmm. gives it to Ben Riley, and says, you are now Peter Parker. Yep. You're now Spider-Man. Have Parker Industries. And this is this is where we weave in Parker Industries from the later half of the Dan Slott era, you know, but uh, you get Parker Industries. You are now the CEO of this major company. You are now Spider-Man. You know, all of these things that you've wondered about that, that, you know, the life that has been denied to you uh, is now yours. Perfectly said, Chris. And I think all the elements in the, all these issues up to now led to this moment, right? Yes. This issue feels, I don't know. I'm not gonna say it's less impactful because the end is so impactful, right? But it seems like it was a peak of moments. And you're mentioning, I guess, which takes us right into issue number five, Spider-Man Life Story, the 2000s. And of course, you know, another super interesting cover. Cap's cap. back. Cap's well, back. You know, we're yeah. going to get Civil War here. Yep. And what's super interesting is picking up where you left off, it's 2006 and Peter is now in his, you know, 
fifties and he retired. Like you said, he's just an electrician now and all of his kids are grown. They've got spider powers of their own. Pretty cool. So we're going to get that. We're going to get a little bit of the spider verse here. Not necessarily the full thing. We're going to get, we're going to get the Morelands in the form of Ezekiel Sims. He's going to be hunt. He needs a snack on a spider totem. We're going to get some, we're going to get more Tony. We're going to get more cap. Uh, Civil War will kind of resolve itself in these pages. Yeah, Spider Man, of course, playing the role he does in Civil War. Yes, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind, of, it's an interesting issue. It's a good issue. There's a lot coming together here, though. Where it's kind of Civil War summons Peter back to being Spider Man and back to New York. Meanwhile, we have an inheritor looking for Peter because he's he has defeated the clone. And he knew immediately yep. that it was a clone, right? So he's he's seeking this world's Peter Parker. He wants that full spider totem meal. He's off looking in Portland. Meanwhile, Peter Parker is in New York doing the Civil War thing. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to lead to the death of one of the kids, and it's going to lead to Peter Parker being Spider-Man again. Of course, that leads us into the last issue, Chris. The 2010s to 2020. This issue is awesome. This is kind of like the coup de gras. This is, I think you read the series to get a full arc story of Spider-Man that's coherent of his canon of the years with some changes, of course. But really, I think you read this story to read this last bit. I was going to say this one is almost the one you could not read because it's, it's kind of an assumption of the end of this Peter's life. Which is not exactly canon. This is a, this is a new story weaving this in some part, canon elements, especially yeah. But it is awesome. It's also going to tie a bow on some things here for us in in interesting ways. It's just a powerful end to this because it is through this methodology of jumping 10, 15 years, you got to end on something like this. So now we're in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. and Peter Parker's in his seventies, and it's got a very kind of old man Logan feel, yeah, in a way. In a in a way of it is presumed in this in this dimension in this version of Earth in this version of the Marvel Universe, eventually the public just gets tired of the collateral damage from heroes, the drama that you know, and the the hero civil war is kind of the culmination of that, and we and we get kind of a hero heroing is what is it, Jesse? I might be a little foggy on this one. Is it, is it that heroing is kind of illegal or is it just that the bad guys won and the heroes are trying to, to kind of bring it back? It does feel a little bit more like the Logan thing. So more of the latter, I think where it's like Dr. Doom is kind of orchestrating all this stuff or did, which led a bunch of dominoes to fall. Right. And Peter, of course, is part of this resistance accompanied by his apprentice, Miles Morales. And this is old man Peter. So Miles is an older man himself, as in not an old man, but you know, he is. Well, he's a man. Yeah. Miles in this issue is a grown man. He is, (laughs) he is at the peak of his powers. He is, you know, he is, he is MJ at the, you know, at 27, you know, doesn't get any better. He's yeah. Physically Miles is, is, as grown as he will ever be peak stuff. Yeah. So this is the one I don't think we want to spoil Chris. So right. Because it is new, whether or not it's Ken or not, I'm just saying it's new. It's just new Spider-Man content. Like you said, that's kind of like an old man Logan element where it's like through a series of butterfly effects, this could be the end of Logan's story, right? Through a series sure. of butterfly effects, this could be the end of Peter's story. And 
you know, some high points to me. Miles is a grown man, like you said. Craven does come back. Venom comes back. An interesting Bowser Tide. I wish we could talk about it because, oh my gosh. Well, we can talk about the end. I mean, a lot a lot of villains show back up, right? Well, I don't I don't want to necessarily spoil anything. It is a very cinematic, climactic ending. It's very good. A little sci-fi. It's yeah, it is a little sci-fi, but it's it's future and you know, I think Marvel Marvel deals with a lot of sci-fi. The level of tech in that universe right now is is insane. Oh shoot, man. Spider-Man 2099 like Ugh, like Spider-Man universe has been dealing with sci-fi for a long time, so how many episodes in a row am I going to have to say I cannot wait for Miguel to be in this game? Same. Same. Anyway. I'm a leadership. Shoot. I know, dude. But guys, thank you so much for listening to this <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man life story talk. I re- like Jesse and I really love being able to do these kind of talks here on the show. And I 100%. hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, I hope you guys go and read this. It's very good. The art is great. Jesse, do you have any any kind of final thoughts you want to wrap up here? And, and it's okay if you don't. It's tough, man. I think it's an incredibly powerful series. Obviously, it's no secret to you guys that have been listening to me this long for this many years on the show. I am a Spider-Man mega fan. But this is like one of those things where it's like reframing old canon through new lenses with new tie-ins and make it your own like chip did here i just think it's so cool i think it's a powerful tool to get new people into comics if you've never read a spider-man story maybe you watch the shows like most of us have or the movies but you've never got to read a spider-man comic this is just a great way to get a feel of all of his eras and then eventual this last issue which is kind of the as chris said the old man logan what if spider-man era we haven't gotten yet i just think it's incredibly powerful because it's a prime example of art inspiring art, right? And it is, it is the power of storytelling and the power of a legacy character like Peter Parker that is one of the best superhero characters ever made. I think that's pretty un- undisputed fact in pop culture. And I think a big part of it is this feature we talked about in our first Peter Parker episode is that he pretty much ages concurrently with the reader with the eras and that is unusual for superheroes which tend to always be tony stark's always in his mid to late 40s well it's yeah it's it's a pulp medium so that that is just the nature of it and as as ridiculous as it is yeah spider-man is built on peter parker not vice versa right like peter parker is actually why we read spider-man stories as chris said his life being him missing flash get on the boat the literal boat to go to war is because he was spider-man but that is horrific for peter parker right and we feel that so the fact that he basically aged throughout canon in the old canon 60s to now you know clones de-aging blah 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 all these things happen but he pretty much just aged like he actually was in his late 40s for a period of time and that was noted and important when he started out in his early preteens, and it's like the fact that that whole this whole series is built on that, I think, is uniquely powerful and not going to be achieved through any other series that even uses this technique because just the way Peter ages with us when we read him, you know. And it's it's a cool facet of the character that Chips obviously pulled on the heartstrings of here, and I like it. Excellently put. And the kind of point that you made here that I really want to hammer home is that this is kind of a unique thing. It's not. The idea of of writing a series where the character ages is not wholly unique. No. It's executed so well here. And I think you mentioned it, and I really want to point it out. This is great if you want to just kind of catch up on the years of Spider-Man lore. It's not going to give you every little detail, 
but this gives you every meaningful story beat to be able to jump into a Spider-Man story. You're going to know all the major parts of the character given a, you know, a little minor changes here and there, but the overall idea behind a character, you're going to know it, whether that be Craven, Doc Ock, Peter, MJ, the, any of the Osborns, it's, it's wonderful. And, and he really distills this down. So you're going to be able to jump. You, you just understand the characters. And that's always kind of what I try to do when we talk, do these character episodes. I don't, we don't need yeah. you guys to know yeah. what happened in issue 72 of uncanny X-Men. Right. Just the, the, what do these characters represent? And chip does a great job of that. Kind of this whole series is highly recommended read. No, absolutely. And you know, the last bit of what I mean on the aging thing being unique is I don't mean so much as unique in this series. I mean, it's unique that that is a staple of who Peter Parker is in the actual canon of Marvel, right? It's unusual. Yeah. It's, it's a storytelling medium here instead of just a feature of the story. It's a major revolving plot point. Yeah. Frequently characters in Marvel have their origin stories. They age up to a certain age that's appropriate and they kind of just freeze in time. You know, Peter is not the case. Um, He starts extremely young, younger than 95% of all characters in Marvel. And then he just continues to age. And, you know, something Stan Lee always said about the core of Peter Parker is that he is supposed to be the every person, you know, and that um, obviously the reader sees themselves in, in this character because he values who he is more than the superhero. And it's not like some superheroes are just these incredible superheroes and their alter ego is kind of a lesser element and obviously peter both spider-man and peter parker are firing on all story cylinders at all times and in fact the peter parker is more important than the spider-man which has always just been a cool part so like you said a more amplified clark kent and kal-el excellent well chris that was a exciting and in-depth lore uh, if anyone deserved it it was definitely peter parker probably absolutely he's a marvel tentpole character and i think he's the tentpole personally he has to be right just because of longevity and the fact that he came out, came around in what, 63, I think. And, you know. And the love that he has, even with the non super Marvel fans like us community, yeah. I mean, the love that he has nationwide, worldwide, is kind and, of a, astounding, right? And he was popular from the get go, right? Uh, the X Men never stopped. The X Men, no matter what people say, people <laughs> weren't, no one was reading X Men till Claremont took over, okay? 100%. Like all this revisionist history of the uh, the original five being, you know, super popular and everything early on, that is not the case. Do not let people tell you that because they are lying. It's so true. It leads us to strategy now, Chris, which is very exciting. We get to cover amazing Spider-Man, alter ego, Peter Parker. Very excited about this one. I, a character I've been interested in. I have been interested in playing this character since he was revealed and I just haven't had the chance, but this is going to be great. So Jesse, yep. let's go over these stat lines. He has six health on his front side, six on his back, bringing him a total of 12. 12 stamina is good. Yeah. 12 stam. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Uh, he is a five threat character though. So you kind of expect a high amount of stamina there. He is a long mover with a medium base. Very cool. We've covered Angela. We've said this before, but we'll say it again because, I mean, this is the nature of our podcast and being evergreen. Angela and Amazing Spider-Man are the fastest models in the game because they are long movers with medium-sized bases. The only models that come close are are like are roughly the same speed are models like Malekith. Right. 
a large base with a medium move, and they're still a little bit slower than Angela and Peter Parker, Amazing Spider-Man. He is a size two, and here is the defense line. We got a physical defense of four, energy four, mystic three. Jesse, what are you thinking? High health, tanky. His defenses are actually kind of deceptive. They look kind of normal or average for a five threat, but they're not because we know they're not. he has Spidey Sense. And in fact, he has mastered Spidey Sense, which we'll talk about now because it makes a lot of sense. We're talking about his stamina and his defenses. Master Spider Sense is an innate ability Peter Parker has essential to his kit. This character may reroll any number of its defense or dodge dice. So now the math gets really crazy because we've said on the show multiple times, defense dice are bad in MCP. That is true. They are not in your favor. But when you can reroll every single one, excluding skulls, unless you're under Miles leadership, and then you can reroll skulls if you're playing the game, then the math gets really crazy because really, who knows what Peter's defense line really is at that point? It, It could be six, six, five. It could be eight, eight. Six, you know, that's a higher ceiling. Depends on how you're rolling that day, man. Yeah, 100%. And if you roll well with crits. Exactly. The nature of this game with crits, man, it just makes the the math so nutty. And now we're talking about a character that has essentially four dice. And as long as you're not sculling out here, you've got two chances on each one of these to find a crit, which is going to add more dice to your defense pool. So we're talking, this guy can block a lot yeah and it's exciting too because it is rare in the game to have such a uniquely defensive character that has like pretty good averages of defenses like yeah like miles is defensive enough with his two rerolls, right <laughs> and his lower defense innate stats because miles you know miles doesn't have like four energy for instance so i think it's very cool it also means that amazing spider-man this is kind of a system of more detrimentally affected by effects that influence his defense stats. Mm. So like incinerate and other things that remove defenses, he's still better off than anyone else, right? With an incinerate or something, right? But it starts, the cards start stacking up because he has less things to do to get the power level out of the stability of master. Right. Well, and something I wanted to touch on that plays in with this is a lot of the more defensive characters in this game, their defensiveness comes from innate abilities that automatically reduce damage or you, you can pay to reduce, you know, this right. is their, their end of the line. We're just taking damage of the way, or we just blanket block one automatically all the time, yeah. you know, things like this, or, or they count blanks against certain things with Spider-Man. It's just a, a, a straight reroll. So the, the peaks can be much, much higher, but we're also talking, you could just blank four 100%. automatically and and just you could take roll four dice full, twice right yeah. eight dice and, on defense and nothing and just happens. take the full brunt of whatever they rolled against you so it is kind of a it is a peaks and valleys type of thing but the the highs with this mastered spider sense are very high and luckily he has six stamina we've talked about on the show a lot how important six or seven stamina is it essentially means you can't be watched one shot by a lot of the characters in the game so that's helpful as well. But yeah, he could just totally blank out multiple times. So keep that in mind. But it's also part of the game. It's part of the fun too. It makes it cinematic. Peter was always rolling four blocks every time. That also wouldn't be very exciting, right? So it's, it is what it is. But I, I think innately he is one of the most defensive and fast characters in the game. And wow, what an incredible lore that is. And it makes Absolutely. perfect sense. 
But it's we got to move cool. on to his attacks, Chris. His first attack is a physical attack called the Spider Strike. It's range three, a strength of five, and a power cost of zero. Of course, this is his strike, so he gains power equal to the damage dealt. And he's got a unique and sh- interesting trigger here. On a crit and a wild, he will trigger momentum. Choose another enemy character within two of the original target. So you're choosing another enemy character that's within two of the person you were attacking with this. Place you're going to punish that mystique insurance, huh? That deception insurance. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or those bodyguards and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So place Amazing Spider-Man within range one of the chosen enemy characters. So now you're placing him off that person in the back, right? That you were hitting with this momentum. The chosen character suffers a collision as if this character were thrown into them. Now, this is pretty good. It's not crazy, but free throws are free throws. Like it, the damage will stack up. The part that is tough with this, obviously, is that you've got to have a lot of foresight with this, and this has to be on someone else. So it's not like Peter's punching someone with five dice, getting some power, and then throwing himself into them. That would be very powerful. This, this couple hoops to jump through. And also, I like the theme because he's jumping and hitting somebody and then throwing his body in someone else. It's very evocative of, of his fighting style. I do want to point out, too, that. There is no choice with this. If you roll momentum, you're do and it is available yep. to you. If there is a character within range two for you to place off of and hit, you're doing it. There is no language in the wording here that indicates that it is it is a choice. So S- similar to a beast ambush or something, it just exactly. has to happen. So you need to know that going into every spider strike, just in case it's not a place you want to be, right? And especially after you do a web swing, which we will get to shortly. All right, Jesse, let's move on to his spender. It is another physical attack. Whatever a spider can. It's range two, strength of eight, power cost of five. After this attack is resolved, the amazing Spider-Man may advance medium. And on a wild, you will trigger catch. After this attack is resolved, you may choose an interactive terrain feature of size two or less and within range three of the Amazing Spider-Man, and destroy it. The target character suffers a collision as if the terrain were thrown into him, or into them. So we're seeing this theme here, Jesse, of kind of some damage after the attacks, maybe a little bit of extra chip damage after the attacks. It's on different characters, two different attacks. It's on one is the target of the attack, and the other is a character within two. But... This is nice. This is kind of some bonus damage that uh, your opponent has to roll very well to avoid. Yeah, and of course, opposite of the builder attack, this the spinner attack, this is all focused on one right. enemy model. And keep in mind, too, it says after and attack is resolved. And you can choose not to do it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and keep in mind, it says after attack is resolved. So on both clauses of this, so you can actually... If you trigger the catch and Peter's by a car or something, he can throw that him at the model and then he can advance medium away or something. Or inversely, you can, after attack is resolved, advance medium to get by a terrain feature mm-hmm. and it gets to them. I love that there's no actual rules of doing the normal throw where you're measuring the, the range stick. It's just Peter is punching into somebody. He's jumping a certain way. He's web lining a car and throwing them at that person, right? So you don't have to like check ranges on the throw. It's just extra damage, like Chris said. So I actually really love this. This is a great way to really remove a model. Unfortunately, it costs five, which is very tough to do in this game Man. in general. And you're unfortunately as well, he has two superpowers that you're going to want to spend as liberally as possible. 
So this is a, certainly he's been flipped. He's waking up. He's going to do a lot of damage because he's going to be able, realistically be able to do some spenders. But outside of that scenario, you're going to be doing other things with his power for sure. Like keep in mind though, we're going to get to web swing there. There are ways to juice up the dice on that strike. Yeah. To, to get it hitting hard. Over so there spin. are ways to try to do some damage outside of having five power. 100%. But I'm ready to move on, Chris, to his superpowers if you are. Oh, man. I guess we have to start with this leadership ability, don't we? Yeah. He does have a leadership. It's he does. Excellent. Friendly neighborhood spider team affiliation web warriors. Once per turn during an allied character's activation... The allied character may pay one power and choose an enemy character within range two. The chosen character gains the slow special condition. If the chosen character already had the slow special condition, place it within one of its current position and remove the slow special condition. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We've talked about on the show a lot on the After Dark, other features, how cool and unique this leadership is and how Miles is very plug and play. It's very easy mode. It's like, okay, all my models just defensively get better. And it's good against every team. Right. This is a little bit more niche and obviously expensive. I think yes. it's an incredible leadership. The problem is it's it's expensive. So it's so hard to visualize how impactful it is being able to give every model on your team a superpower that gives out slow for one cost. But that's incredible. I mean, that is one of those things that all of a sudden, now someone like Toad or Koye or Black Widow is dynamically much more scary than they would be normally because they've got a new superpower that just debilitates their opponents, right? And then they can walk away. They can do a lot of things. So I think this is strongest when you're widest. Oh, that's interesting. We know threat costs can work out in this game, but obviously Peter being a five threat leader you're already taking attacks for that, right? Absolutely. You know, you can't go as wide as you could with a three threat leader, but you can still go pretty wide, especially with some two threats in the equation. Um, Wong and Toad, great examples of people who love to play in the Web Warriors, even Okoye maybe Absolutely. with her defensive tech. So that is my first thought with this. My second thought with this is the second part is really cool. Reverse bump and the night them away, right? Yeah. But this part is less impactful because you've got to set up slows prior to that turn and then do that turn to bump them. You can't do both in the same turn. You can't like pay for it twice. That would be too powerful, in fact, because you Absolutely. can always displace all the models you want. Yeah, you just pay two and move everybody. And just win, win the secures every time, right? So I exactly. like that there's balance to it, but I think the second part happens less, and that's okay, because I think the first part is so powerful and so interesting. But Chris, this is not this is one of those leaderships, like you said, it's matchup dependent, but it's, it's even less matchup dependent. It's more crisis dependent. Mm, and interesting. also... Let's be honest, it's probably one of the toughest ones to use in the game effectively, you know, because a lot of leaderships are plug and play. I get more power when I play the game. I get more defenses when I play the game. Miles, I get more attacks. I get more rerolls, whatever it is. This is a a lot more, well, I get this cool feature, but it costs me a lot of power. And there's hoops to jump through. Yeah. There's hoops to jump through and I got to do it right. Getting within two of some uh, attrition teams is not not exactly a fun proposition. No. Also, the fact that it's once during Allies activation, that's kind of a bummer too, but it is what it is. Like Peter can't do this to two models on his turn, right? Yeah. Now, the interesting part is this works so well with all webbed up. It 100% has incredible synergies with all webbed up. Web them up and then you can just move whoever and you're already 
what swinging so many more dice from the web yeah, yeah. turn two. So swing the dice first, right? You have to. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you, you, if you can daze them or remove them, you want to do that before you pay that power to move them. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, you can come in late with maybe some of those two threats or something, and then move them off, right? And oh yeah, you know, and it's really neat. But this will come up more in this discussion a little bit. But that's kind of our quick take on this unique leadership. And also keep in mind too. Amazing Spider-Man's incredible under Miles' leadership. Miles is incredible under this leadership. So you you have that turn zero. We flip, reveal our squads. I have both Miles and Peter. Now I make a decision on which leadership right. I want, right? So, you know, you're not having issues when it comes to that. So it's just a matter of knowing when to do it is very tough to do. And I think it's something we'll explore in future episodes for sure. Oh, I definitely believe we'll be returning to that. Yeah, His next power is one you are very familiar with, I assume. It is an active superpower. It is web swing. It will cost you two power. Place Amazing Spider-Man within three of its current position. The next time it makes a spider strike this turn, add two dice to the attack roll. The superpower can be used once per turn. So we're juicing spider strike to a seven dice strike, which is going to just completely change the math on rolling into momentum. And the fact that momentum requires a critical yeah. which is already adding another dice the math's getting nutty but you're probably gonna hit momentum yeah after a web swing and you're gonna build power too which is yes. great right yeah no this is a bread and butter element of a lot of the web warriors um absolutely no different with peter in fact even more important with peter when you've got two long moves on the fastest character in the game and a range three place now you're you can just get wherever you want and obviously we encourage people to do strikes a lot on the show. And I think this is a great way to make sure your strike is just super effective and super powerful. You can also do something with this play pattern where you can web swing up, strike, and then move back, right? Yep. There's a lot of cool play patterns you can do to get out of dodge. You might even strike and daze the model. Now you have their extract and then you move away, right? So there's well, a lot of cool things. Throw a slow on them too. Oh, of course. <laughs> Close if you want to. Yeah, of course. It's it's super cool. And it's one of the things you're gonna do every time he activates in theory. So that's the goal. So I actually think it's incredible. I also think this is why this amazing Spider-Man can fit on some other teams we'll talk about later. Ooh, I like that. But I'm gonna close out his card, Chris. He has a couple more superpowers. Um, most importantly, he has a reactive superpower called Witty Banter. Of course, he does it's Peter Parker. It costs one power. When an enemy character within three of Peter is attacking an allied character so that he that means when they're attacking him or any of his buddies, Peter Parker may use a superpower during the modify opponent's die step of the attack. You may reroll one of the attack dice of the opponent. So we know how powerful this is on Deadpool, Crimson Dynamo, things like that. It's no different with Peter. In fact, now it's getting crazy with Peter because you've got mastered spidey sense and you've got one more reroll as well. Yep. To remove their wilds. Exactly. To, Get rid of that Pierce. You know, get rid of that wild off of uh, off the new Modoc to turn off his leadership. You yeah. know, just a lot of things you can do to really annoy your opponent. And that's what spider people should do, right? They annoy yes. these super strong, powerful, indi- you know, individual bad guys. That's right. And then eventually just win through their mobility and wits. I love it. And I love that Peter, like... He is kind of a beater. He's kind of this defensive monster. Yeah, he, can, he can do some damage. Yeah. But this is his one support ability for his team. And I really do love it where it's like, just set him up as a bubble to help your yeah, other man. spider people survive as well. Right. So it's very nice. 
And it's a great way to turn off wild triggers, especially because the web warriors do crumble to a lot of conditions, right? So yes. this is a good way to remove some conditions. Potentially you say, Oh, you got one wild in that role. Well, I'm definitely have you re-roll that because maybe you didn't get much damage through. That's okay. I just want to get rid of that condition or that trigger, right? And this is a good way to guarantee that. But closing out, we talked about he has the mastered spidey sense where he can reroll any number of his defense or dodge dice. Keep in mind this dodge dice as well. Very helpful. Don't recommend throwing stuff at Amazing Peter. And then of course he has wall crawler because why wouldn't he? And that's yeah, it, it, that that's part of what makes him the most mobile yes. character in the game. Angela has flight. He's got wall crawler uh, effectively the same power. Yeah. They're yeah. just they're just going where they want, man. It's very I I love that about those characters. It's pretty incredible. And on Peter's injured side, nothing changes except the art is awesome. <laughs> his mask is off because you know I don't know what happens. He's got at least one third of his face is covered, so super like secret identity still intact. Perfect. Yeah, and he has the spidey sense going in full force. You can see it above his head, so it's pretty incredible. But we got to move on, Chris, to Peter Parker's named cards, and we're gonna start with the first one. We're gonna do it real quick because we did this recently. It's cleanup, unaffiliated and reactive. An allied agent Venom and an allied Peter Parker may spend one to play this card during the power phase. Agent Venom gains Spider Sense until the end of the round. Peter Parker gains Symbi. Symbiotic, symbiotic instincts till the end of the round. So we talked about this is definitely a kitchen table card. Don't think it's bad. It's just it's taking one of your slots. Yeah, and those are those are at a premium these days uh, when it comes to competitive formats. We talked about how we think the better part of this card is Peter getting the symbiotic instincts because. Yes. The opponent not being able to modify defense dice when Peter is attacking is very effective. It makes his strikes hit a lot harder. Agent Venom having Spidey Sense is nice. It makes him a little bit more defensive when he's not defensive. But I think what you're mainly getting out of this is some fun and symbiotic instincts. Also, keep in mind, there's there's no range restriction They're on different sides of the map. They can still play this, give each other bonuses. But Very cool. And it's a fun attack. And they also have spider sense on the card to help you remember. Maybe you can attach to Age of Venom, you know, just help you remember what's going on. But we're talking about the more exciting card here, Chris, the cat and the spider unaffiliated and active again. So once again, as long as you meet the requirements of the card can be played on any team. If Peter Parker is within range two of an allied Felicia black cat, both characters may spend one power each to play this card. Throw black cat medium. Black cat does not suffer damage during this throw. So it's like a super pounce. After the throw is resolved, Black Cat may immediately interact with any number of objective tokens without spending the power. So on its face, Chris, this is a a more powerful Black Panther pounce for Black Cat. That's cool. Yeah. And then on its second face, it's a way to maybe reach objectives that are out of reach outside of activation. You don't have to go necessarily during Felicia's turn. You could be going during Peter's turn, throw her up. She grabs some objectives and then Peter does his turn or something. There's a lot of features of things that can happen also i think when she throws herself into them they could daze and drop an objective and then she can immediately pick it up right so there's a lot of dominoes that can fall um, i think it's a very cool card especially on missions that have multiple extracts not to mention just the power of being able to reposition black cat that much the, the free interact and it's just objective tokens it doesn't have to be an in- extract you could you could throw up to flip a pay to flip right Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where the toughest part is they have to be two of each other to start. And that's where you kind of get into like right. setting up the chess pieces and being so, ready. Yeah. It, and does, it does take a little planning, a little foresight, a little game planning. You can't be exclusively reactive when you're trying to use this card. Yep. Perfectly said. So it's 
it's a neat card. I think it's something you're going to play in your 10 if you like Spider-Man and Black Cat, and you're going to play them in your 10 if you're playing Web Warriors. So I think it's something absolutely worth playing, especially any team that Black Cat's in. I think you should try it out. But Chris, we got to move on and close out this episode with the affiliation corner like normal, which is very exciting. Sweet. So we already talked about, we sang the praises of Peter and his own Web Warrior team and Miles Web Warrior team. Just to reiterate, the Miles Web Warrior team, he gets to re-roll every single dice with Master Spidey Sense, and then he gets to re-roll one more dice with Miles Leadership. So now you're looking at the most tanky defensive Peter Parker that we have in the game thus far. So that's very cool because Miles also, if you're playing the game, standing on secures or holding extracts, you can re-roll a skull. So it helps Peter be more consistent on defense when the bad rolls do hit it's good very very good well, let's talk about some other teams though a force actually pretty darn good because <laughs> all the extra power right right that the ramp for him would be great it, it turns the bubble on it keeps you yeah. re-rolling your opponent's dice constantly maybe you're going to be able to throw that spender out a little bit more uh running him in a force you are paying a heavy price though with a mm-hmm. six threat leader and a five threat amazing spider-man here and you also have to ask yourself is why is this not a five threat angela why is peter better or worse than angela in the situation i think obviously they have instances where that is a good question and totally happens but yeah it is a price i do love the combination of witty banter with the multi-layered bodyguard nature of a force i already talked yes. about in the last episode so i think that i think there's i think there's neat. something there yeah for sure but moving on he's great and steve we'll move on from that <laughs> Namely because the Steve is it's it's the returns are very high fold because you're always going to pay for that web swing for one less, right? And then you're always going to strike after the web swing and potentially get more power after you already discounted power. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So Steve's yeah, a good that, spot. that play pattern is just too, too strong with Steve. Same way with Sam. He Sam's got some healing and some short moves. He's bringing the same thing to both those teams. He's he's a very fast mobile piece that's getting around the map where you need him to be. It's just the nature of how you want it to be done with Steve or Sam leadership. And I think that's a, that's a cool discussion. And you could play him there. And you know, I know a lot of people are upset he's not on the Avengers team still. I think it makes it's sense. Fine, it makes sense. He's worked with the Avengers, but I mean, when has he ever been a full fledged Avenger? Full fl- yeah, uh, he's, he's more of a. He's member of the Fantastic time, Four. But yeah. He's worked with the X-Men more, I think. I could see him with the four. Oh, yeah, he'll we'll be see. with the four, and so will She-Hulk. Speaking of, though, I kind of like him in Storm's leadership X-Men. Yeah, I like absolutely. I like that automatic defense success. That's one dice you don't need to re-roll. He's a little bit more tanky already, and I really like being able to hop people off of his medium base. Exactly. Plus, he's got a long move. He's got web swing. You can get him where ever you need him to be to hop that that premier kind of attrition piece to where it needs to be. I just think he brings a lot of versatility and in, in with that that storm leadership. No, if you move Beast up range two from Spider Man, so a little bit outside of deployment, and you hop off a of Beast, you can reach your opponent's extracts to a move back. Two actions, yeah. I move back. Yeah. So he's incredible. Uh, it's another reason why people are playing Angela and X-Men right now. And it's just, oh, yeah. you know, pick your flavor, but moving on, he is actually in the defenders, you know, Good so choice. notable. He is in defenders alongside classic Peter Parker. So they're both in defenders, which I absolutely love. And, you know, right now we only have one leader for the defenders, but I think that might change, change in the future. Even the one leader, which is strange. Amazing Spider-Man is really cool. Being able to give out Hex and change his attacks to different attack types, whether it be energy or mystic, is a nice tool to have in your back pocket and absolutely worth doing. Also, 
you know, you could easily do something interesting where you could have a defenders web warriors roster and like play what, what you want to play depending on the crisis mm. setup, you know, is it more attrition. We're going defenders. Is it more kind of positionally extract focus? We might go web warriors. So it, you've got options. Like I already mentioned earlier, I think secrets out. We've been talking about a long time on various shows and, you know, I think Ryan farmers made it really popular too, but Wong is excellent web warriors. So Wong's a defender. There's layers on layers and, you know, just try him and see what happens, you know, but he's one of these characters, Chris, that we could literally talk about him every team. We're not going to do that, but it's like, oh, we, we've got two hours. Let's go. Yeah, right. It's funny that he is good in spider foes, right? He, that was the next team I wanted to bring up. I, because his play pattern that we have established that web swing into the big strike mm-hmm. is very much accentu- accentuated by the foes be- being able yeah. to force a reroll of the defensive dice to get that one more damage through or, or whatever more power is it, and you got one more power an for another power witty banner, feeding into witty witty exactly man it's it great. just feeds you know you know he's worked with the spider villains from time to time there's things that come up you and know he fits into their kind of on the table kind of yes extract identity play. of extract play and medium bases and getting where you need to be and it's fun throwing a lot of dice at specific times not necessarily all the time right yeah. it's fun no absolutely I like foes and keeping with that same mindset i think he's a really cool piece of midnight suns as well because you're now at giving him a bump on top of all on a web swing on top of yeah. double moves he's just a mobile piece for them because they at their heart midnight suns are a positioning team and he's giving them more positioning tools especially if you don't necessarily let's say you're playing a really wide map and you're like, okay, this is an amazing Spider-Man map. This is not a Doctor Strange map, right? Yeah. So it makes sense. You're picking your five threat of choice. I've been talking about Inhumans a lot lately. He's still good in Inhumans as well because that leadership is crazy. And it's especially crazy for someone like Amazing Spider-Man who round one, you can pass him a power from Lockjaw or something and he can web swing up yeah. to the midline, right? He's incredible in a team like Inhumans. And the same goes with the Dark Dimension as well, where it's anything that gives him that web line turn one up on the midline. You can even mm. do a couple things in Hellfire Club, you know, my main team lately, where you can set up some things, throw him an objective, have him on a, a point when the game starts. And before he goes, if you trigger the Hellfire leadership, if these things went in the correct order, he'll get a power because he's either sitting on a secure or holding an extract, right? Yeah. And he's ready to web swing up to the middle of the board, you know, (laughs) and before he's even done any actions, right? So there's a lot of cool things you can do. It also gives a lot of credence to, you know, we know how powerful advanced R&D is in Web Warriors in particular. It also kind of sings the praises of what I'm talking about with advanced R&D and Wong, where it's like, you can just pass him a power in the mm. first round of the game and get him yeah. up the table. And any team you want, as long as you have these tools. It replicates that ramp team yeah. effect, right? But 100%. For, for one turn, but that turn one is where that, that ramp is really, really, really huge. It, it helps you throughout the game, but getting him set up and going, even just getting a webline swing off turn one, if you yeah. he's the last activation or close to the last, that could, be, that could be devastating. If someone attacks anyone on your team on A-Force, you just pass the power to Peter, right? Yep. His webline is online now. So I think it's incredibly fun. And I think the last place I would like to try him and I think is a neat place that probably has a lot of legs, especially with the type of secures they want to play, is Wakanda, right? Because he's getting mm. more rerolls and he's bringing a mobile piece to already their 
semi-mobile pushy play style and he's the piece that invades your opponent's side of the board while your wakandans hold your side of the board and push people off and stuff i think him paired with black panther is a really potent combo of where are they going to go this round you know oh, <laughs> where that's are they going to reposition on the map you know yeah for sure it's that's neat good. too and i like it miles was really effective in wakanda in the past for that very reason web lines he's got a steal this peter is just accentuating that even more because he's got so much more mobility than miles does so i absolutely love it a lot and i think he is one of those characters that if you just love the character you can plug and play him in any team because he's kind of a solo he kind of does his yeah. job well he's this defensive piece that can invade your opponent's side of the board grab extracts run away he can do a lot of interesting things and your opponent has a hard time dealing with them and and sometimes they will attack into him and they just can't quite daze him or kill him and then now they've wasted how many resources how many ac actions on peter while the rest of your team is presumably winning the game well said that's it for peter parker strategy it's been fun to talk to him today i know we had a longer lore as we rightly should have because we kind of covered the entire life of peter parker and in a way this seasoned peter parker which is an older age and then the years that follow after that as well and i was really excited to do that it was a lot of fun to do and it was a slightly different twist on the format uh, than we normally do. And I really enjoyed it. It was a more open conversation rather mm. than a structured talk. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and this tactics. I'm just, I'm excited to play spider people, man. Love it, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to play them again too. Now that Jess is painted for me. Oh yeah, dude. Just get them all the table painted and just, they're one of those teams that like they work mechanically and they work visually mono essentially. I mean, obviously you're, yeah. you might not have 10 spider people, but it's like you can mainly bring all the spider people, have a couple splashes and just go and it works and it's fun and you feel rewarded because you're playing very thematic, but you're also playing the nuts and bolts of how the team works. Very true. And it's going to be a large, large departure for me from my normal play style. So it's <laughs> going to be interesting. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Of course, I didn't mention earlier, but we do have the Fury's Finest next Secret Wars League 6 starting in the coming weeks. So if you've been on the fence about jumping in the Discord and you're interested in the league, definitely jump on the Patreon and get in the private Discord and sign up for the league because it's going to be really fun. We're going to have some fun games this season. And, you know, once again, rosters are not locked. So you can just play whatever you want every round, have a lot of fun. You know, if something falls out of something doesn't work for you early on in the season, you can easily swap to something else, have, you know, pivot. And I just absolutely love that feature yeah. that we have in the league now. So it's great. It's just guaranteed games with uh, good people, guaranteed games with good people across the world and just playing what you feel like that week. Uh, last yeah, league, I played fun. a different team every round and I had a lot of fun doing it and I learned a lot. So it was rather than just like laser focus slam, like you know, a bunch of games with one team. It was like, I got to jump all around the place and have a lot of fun and do it with a lot of wonderful people. But of course you can follow us everywhere online. You can find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at furiesfinest at gmail.com. And you can also leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. You guys show up with that every every time we ask. It means a lot. And if everyone left us a review that listened to the podcast, we would have a staggering amount of reviews. So if you can't support us financially, that is a quick way to support us that doesn't require anything fiscally. Just a couple seconds of your time. You can leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And it helps more people find Marvel Crisis Protocol. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for the show's music. And like Jesse said, please help spread the word. Let's keep building the community. 
let's just keep it going. I think it's going to be a very, very exciting fall for Marvel Crisis Protocol. So get yourselves ready. That's right. Of course, you can find us online several spaces. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter, Instagram, Discord, Longshanks, all the same place at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And you can also follow my Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. Hello there. Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast, everywhere podcasts can be found and at hello there cast on social media. If you're on the fence about Shatterpoint, check out our show. We, we explain the rules and the characters in, in high detail and you can figure out if it's for you. And if you're already playing Shatterpoint, jump on with us. Chris, where can everyone find you? Find me on the discord. I am strong style. One word. Feel free to hit me up. We can talk MCP, Shatterpoint, professional wrestling, NBA basketball. Love it. Well, Chris, this has been a great episode. It's been fun to return to the Web Warriors and get caught back up on them. Done every Web Warrior and lore and strategy on the show thus far. And I'm excited for what the future holds for this team because, you know, if I'm being fully honest, like I, I have been in these episodes, I mean, they're my favorite people in all of Marvel, right? Easily. So that's that's beating out X-Men. Yeah, spider people and X-Men for me, for the most part. That's, that's uh, I have some team. very strong, I have a lot of love for some individual characters, but as far as teams it's got to be it's got to be those two are the premiere right absolutely and also those universes too have i think some of the best villains in all of marvel as well yeah their their corners of the universe are just the most interesting to me yeah same so the fact that we got to do all the web warriors are caught up on them and we'll be caught up again on x-men in the near future when we have some more stuff planned with them we're just laying groundwork for when amg probably blesses us again in the future with more web warriors and stuff like that i'm really excited about it it's gonna be great We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you next time and we'll have some Lone Star open stories to tell you. But until then, thanks for listening, True Believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 